The How Is This Movie podcast is supported by listeners just like you. Go to patreon.com slash howisthismovie. There you can pledge as little as a dollar a month and help us maintain the goal of keeping this show fully independent and free of advertising. You will also gain instant access to bonus episodes not available anywhere else. Once again, that's patreon.com slash howisthismovie. And now for our featured presentation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to How Was This Movie? My name is Dana Buckler, and thank you for taking just a little time out of your day to listen. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at How Was This Movie. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash movie. You can always email me with questions or comments at hitmpodcast at gmail.com. And finally, if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment and leave a review on whatever platform you use to listen. You know, it feels like I just spoke to all of you a week ago regarding the movie theater experience. As you will recall, I was the one who in fact caused a major disruption during the 7pm screening of LBJ. You will recall that I was given the opportunity to come back and see another movie at a different time, and I made the decision not to go back and see LBJ later on that evening. Instead, you know, I felt like I needed a cooling off period. Some time to reflect on the events that had transpired. Yes, some real lessons were learned that evening. Most importantly, no matter how confident you are that your cell phone is on vibrate, Double check it. You know what? Just turn it off. Now currently, I am in the middle of an exhaustive period of work in my life. I'm working on multiple episodes of the podcast. I've got the episode of Miller's Crossing, the Coen Brothers' third film set to be released to the Patreon supporters. I'm working on an episode on the Conan the Barbarian franchise. I'm also working on a multi-part episode of Oliver Stone's JFK. And I'm still trying to finish the Alien franchise. Now couple that in with my regular work schedule and I've got a lot on my plate. I don't know if anyone out there is interested in becoming a volunteer research assistant for How Is This Movie, but hey, that door's open if you're interested. So I've spent the majority of the past couple weeks either at my job or working on those episodes. So by the time last Sunday rolled around, I knew I needed to take a break. Otherwise, I was going to throw myself out of the second story window of my house. Now, speaking of that Sunday, well, it really became one of those days that I wish I could have hit the reset button. Let me explain. I woke up around 7.30 in the morning and made my way downstairs to make coffee. Now, I can't speak for everyone listening, but I've become shockingly dependent on coffee to get my day started. And that morning, I was feeling especially groggy. I opened the cupboard door and grabbed the coffee can. It was at that very moment that I recalled that I was out of coffee. I had brewed the last of it the day before, and I had made a mental note to make sure you get more. Side note. Mental notes don't really work as much as you get older. I really feel like instead of making a mental note, you should maybe take an actual note. Anyway, when I picked up that empty coffee can, I said the words, Oh no! Just like Joe Pesci in Goodfellas when he ultimately realized his fate. Now, there is no way I was going to go without coffee. I headed back upstairs to the bedroom, grabbed a pair of flip-flops, my car keys, and began looking for my wallet. Except, I couldn't find my wallet anywhere. And I was in an extreme mental fog, and I honestly couldn't remember where the hell my wallet was. It was at that point I noticed a coffee cup on my computer desk. Now, this was a coffee cup that I used to collect pocket change, and the cup was almost full. Now, the grocery store, which is right down the street from my house, has one of those machines where you can dump your loose change in it. It will count it and print up a ticket that you can take to the customer service desk, and they'll give you money. Staring at the coffee cup, I realized that unless I find my wallet, this was going to be my only option to buy coffee. I went downstairs to the kitchen looking for a Ziploc bag. That box was empty. Oh well, nonetheless, I have some extra grocery bags under the sink. I grabbed one of those bags, 
dumped the change in it and headed out the door. Now, I think it's important that I mention that I was, again, very foggy that morning because it wasn't until I got to the grocery store and got out of my car that I kind of realized that I wasn't really dressed appropriately to go to the grocery store. I was wearing a pair of shorts, flip-flops, a t-shirt. Uh, that t-shirt probably needed to be ironed. And I'd also forgotten my trusty baseball cap, so my hair was a bit of a mess. Couple that in with the fact that I, you know, I have a beard, and I think you can start to get the picture that I'm painting here. But nonetheless, I continued walking towards the entrance of the grocery store with, honestly, not a care in the world, except get coffee. As I walked through the automatic doors, I immediately headed to the change machine, as we'll call it. Now, the grocery store was surprisingly busy for 8 a.m., with almost every register full of customers checking out. There was one person ahead of me using the change machine. I just stood there, nonchalantly, people watching. A gentleman then approached me, wearing a name tag. He said, good morning, sir. Can I help you with anything? I quickly responded, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm just going to cash in my change. He looked me up and down. Okay, sir, well, if there's uh, anything you need, you be sure to let me know. Will do, I said. Thanks. I watched him walk back to the customer service desk, speak to another employee, and point in my direction. Now, the person in front of me finished their transaction with the change machine, grabbed their printed ticket, and headed the customer service desk. It was now my turn. I dumped all my loose change into the top of the machine and hit the on button. The change swirled around like a washing machine as it was being sorted. There was a digital readout showing me exactly how much money I was going to get from this transaction. I watched that readout go from $4, $5, 7 8 12 14 16 finally stopping at $21.16. Sweet, I thought to myself. I can get a cup of coffee and, God, that'll just cover the concessions for later on when I go to the movies. This has been a pretty good day. Now, as I was waiting for the machine to finish processing, I heard a voice behind me. Dana, is that you? I turned around and came face to face with an old girlfriend that I had not seen in probably 10 years. Her name was Linda. We dated so long ago that I couldn't honestly tell you why we stopped dating. I think it was what I'll call the fadeaway. You know, you, you hang out every day. Then every two days you hang out, and then once a week, and then just slowly fade away to nothing. Now, that's just a theory of mine, because I certainly remember the bad breakups in my life, and I know Linda wasn't one of them. She was, however, just as beautiful that day as when we dated all those years ago. I smiled and said, well, hi, Linda. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's so good to see you. You look fantastic. Linda slowly looked me up and down, standing in front of the coin change machine. Linda answered in a very concerned manner. Gosh, Dana, how are things with you? Things are good, I said. Besides work, I started going on about the podcast. You know, I'm doing this podcast. You know how much I love movies. Oh my God, the podcast is going great. It's all about film history. She faked a smile and said, uh, that's, uh, that's great, Dana. Yes, yes, you, uh, you do love movies. But besides that, is, is everything okay? Again, she looked me up and down, holding a plastic grocery bag. Absolutely, I told her. Things couldn't be better these days. She once again faked a smile and said, Well, that's terrific to hear, Dana. You know, it it was nice seeing you. I said, You know, Linda, we should get a cup of coffee and catch up sometime. I've got so much to talk about. She looked me up and down for a third time and said, I don't think so, Dana. It looks like you've got a lot going on right now. But hey, it was good to see you, okay? You take care of yourself. She turned and walked briskly out of the grocery store. Well, that was abrupt and unexpected, I was thinking to myself as I grabbed my little change voucher and headed to the customer service desk. I then proceeded to buy my coffee and exit the store. 
but I still couldn't shake exactly why Linda was so quick to get away from me. As I approached my car, I began to see my reflection in the car's windows. Oh my God, I look like a homeless man. Linda just saw me cashing in a bunch of change. It was all making sense now. I quickly grabbed my iPhone, opened up the Facebook app, searched her name, found her on there, fired a quick message at her, said, Hi, nice to see you. I'm not homeless. As of recording this, she has yet to reply. So that was my Sunday morning. Now, around noon that day, I began to decide which film I was going to see. Now, I've been hearing an awful lot of buzz surrounding a small independent film called The Florida Project. Now, I know that I constantly shit on the local Regal Cinema, but to their credit, they do tend to show some of these smaller independent films alongside the big Hollywood blockbusters from time to time. Not always, not something you can count on, but every once in a while, you get surprised. So checking my Fandango app, I found a 220 showing of The Florida Project. Now, if you're not familiar with The Florida Project, I've included a link to the trailer in this episode's show notes. Now, I arrived at the theater at approximately 2 p.m. I made my way into the auditorium, and to my delight, I was the only one there. I quickly grabbed my phone, snapped a couple photos of an empty auditorium. It's such a rare thing on a Sunday afternoon, you know. Remember that scene in Clerks when Randall goes to Big Choice Video and then just drops to his knees out of sheer delight? Well, that's how I was feeling. This particular auditorium didn't have the twosies, but who gives a shit? It was all mine. I had the place to myself. I proceeded up the stairs three quarters of the way, choosing not to sit in the middle, instead going three seats in. With five minutes left before showtime, I tweeted out a picture of the empty auditorium to let the world know that I was in heaven. Well, that picture was a little premature because in the next five minutes, six people entered the theater, an older couple, possibly in their 60s, and four individuals. The last person to enter the theater was a woman carrying a giant purse, a large tub of popcorn, a couple boxes of candy, and a large soda. I watched as she sat directly behind the couple. I thought that was pretty ballsy considering the theater was, I mean, practically empty. The couple must have thought the same thing because they promptly got up and moved four rows in front of her. After four trailers, the movie began. Now, The Florida Project is a unique film that does not have a three-act structure. And as I've mentioned in a few tweets, the film has little to no exposition explaining why the characters in the film have found themselves in the situation they're in. The movie follows the lives of a single mother and her daughter living in an extended stay hotel in Kissimmee, Florida, just outside Walt Disney World. The Florida Project also stars William Dafoe as the manager of the hotel. The movie pulls no punches and lets you know within the first five minutes that it means business and it's not going to sugarcoat the existence of the characters who are living well below the poverty line and the links that the mother in particular will go to to stay at that hotel. All of the actors in the film, many of whom were first-time actors, did an amazing job, and it will be a true travesty if Willem Dafoe is not nominated for a Best Supporting Actor Oscar. There was a total of seven of us in the theater, and everyone was quiet and attentive and paying attention to the movie. Well, one lady with all that uh, concession stuff, she was kind of obnoxiously eating her food, but it wasn't too overbearing. And in case you're wondering, my phone was turned off. You know, there was a reoccurring thought running through my head throughout the duration of this movie. I realized that it was still possible to see challenging stories in the cinema. I felt utter empathy for the characters, and the movie was so grounded in reality because, you see, I live not too far from where this movie was filmed, and these extended-stay motels litter the landscape surrounding the happiest place on Earth. My mother lives in an area just outside Kissimmee called Celebration, and I drive past these areas every time I go see her. It's a mixed bag of restaurants, extended stay hotels, gift shops, and discount Disney ticket outlets. 
If you haven't figured out by now, I absolutely love the movie. It's easily one of the best films of the year, and I'm even considering seeing it a second time. So right about now, you're saying, well, so what's the big deal, Dana? The episode's entitled Movie Theater Rant Part 6, and so far all you said is that you ran into an ex-girlfriend that thought you were homeless, and you saw a movie that you really liked where pretty much everybody was respectful. What gives? Let me explain. Now, I will not spoil the movie. But for those listening that have seen The Florida Project, you will note that the last minutes of the film go into a completely different direction and has a massive shift in tone. I'll admit I was a little caught off guard by the ending of the film, and I'm not 100% sure it works, but it cannot overshadow what was otherwise a fantastic character study. So again, trying to stay completely spoiler-free, I will say that the movie abruptly ends at a point you don't expect. And at that exact moment when the credits appear on screen and the house lights slowly go up, I just sat there in complete silence trying to process what I had just seen. Ten seconds after the credits began, the woman who brought an overabundance of concessions and proceeded to consume them throughout the entire one hour and 55 minute runtime, I'll call her Popcorn Lady for this, shout it to the rest of us in the theater. Oh my God, that was the worst movie I've ever seen. I almost left like four times. My first thought was, Who the hell is she talking to? She's sitting by herself. She continued, I thought I was coming in to see a movie about Florida and how wonderful it is. This was not a movie about Florida. This is ridiculous. I'm going to go ask for my money back. Who else wants their money back? Let's all go. Let's all ask for our money back. Now, I've been going to the movies for the better part of my life, and I've seen some odd things. But this particular incident was quite odd. How does someone stumble upon a movie like The Florida Project and not do any research? It's clear to me that Popcorn Lady literally chose the movie based on the name alone, did not watch the trailer, did not read a review, and most likely didn't even look at the movie poster for The Florida Project. Yet, here she is, screaming and yelling at the rest of us how much she hated this movie and how she wanted her money back. Now, I can understand certain situations where somebody can feel like they, for lack of a better word, maybe were duped or tricked a little bit into the movie they were going to see. Most recently, I saw three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, Now, of course, that movie's getting a ton of buzz, and rightfully so. The performances by Frances McDormand, Sam Rockwell, and Woody Harrelson are, in my opinion, Oscar-worthy. But if you didn't watch the Red Band, or as I'll call it, the R-rated trailer for Three Billboards, then you're going to be in for quite a shock at the level of language that is used in this film. This was certainly the case when I saw it just a couple days ago. A good portion of the crowd got up and left the movie because, well, even a hardened film watcher like myself, who has seen some pretty wild stuff in the movie theater, Spring Breakers, was a little taken back by some of the extreme curse word filled monologues. The All Ages trailer for Three Billboards gives no indication the film is going to be on that type of level. But that being said, I have a feeling that the majority of the people that were watching Three Billboards, I mean, even the ones that left, they knew what kind of movie they were going to see. They at least had an inclination of what kind of movie they were going to see. For Popcorn Lady to just blindly walk into a movie simply because the title of the film has the word Florida in it, well, honestly, there there are no words. Compound that with the fact that she decided that she was going to share her opinion very loudly and very boisterously to all of us sitting in the theater was also something that caught me way off guard. Imagine if you're sitting in a restaurant, you're enjoying your meal, you're having a nice time, maybe you're on a date or you're with some friends and somebody four tables over yells out this food is awful this is not what i expected i want my money back hey everybody let's ask for our money back well that's just not something people do now by the point that 
Popcorn Lady yelled out, no one had left the theater. I feel like with the exception of Popcorn Lady, the rest of us were still trying to, like I said, process the movie. I mean, I know I was. Popcorn Lady again shouted to the rest of us, how about if we all just talk to the manager as a group? We'll get our money back. I've done it before. The couple that had moved away from Popcorn Lady before the movie started, they were the first to stand up. The lady turned to face Popcorn Lady and she spoke out very calmly and said, You're welcome to ask for your money back, but please don't involve us. This was a powerful film and maybe, just maybe, it wasn't for you. The man then calmly put his hand on her shoulder and motioned them to leave. The tension in the theater began to rise. Popcorn Lady instantly stood up, causing her large half-eaten bowl of popcorn to fall all over the ground. By this point, all of us in the theater were now focused on Popcorn Lady's every move. For my part, I slowly grabbed the rest of my popcorn, took a couple bites, and settled it for the rest of the show. This is like the best end credit scenes ever. Another lady who attended the film by herself spoke up and said, With all due respect, maybe you should just leave now because no one cares about your opinion of this movie. Popcorn Lady, now trying to defend herself, will say, Well, excuse me, but I'm allowed to speak my mind. The lady quickly replied, Yes, yes, you're allowed to have an opinion, but no one here cares. Well, by this point, Popcorn Lady, she had had enough. She grabbed her Mary Poppins-sized purse, slung it over her shoulder, and barreled out of the movie theater, leaving behind a mess like I've never seen before. Like I said, a large tub of popcorn spilled all over the floor, empty candy boxes all over the floor, a Ziploc bag half-filled with Fruit Loop cereal? Okay. By this point, there was only three of us in the theater. I stood up, collected my leftover concessions, and headed for the door. I found myself walking out of the theater with one of the ladies who had spoken with Popcorn Lady. I said, wow, that that was really interesting. The lady smiled and said, you mean the movie or her? I said, well, I thought the movie was a fascinating character study. And the lady replied, I think they should do a character study on that crazy lady. (laughs) I laughed. As I exited the theater and rounded the corner, I saw Popcorn Lady speaking with the manager. I couldn't hear the conversation. I could just see the exaggerated hand gestures that Popcorn Lady was making. Clearly, she was pleading her case as to why she should get her money back. Now, this is where I could have just exited the theater gracefully, but I couldn't help myself. I mean, this was the same manager that spoke to me a week prior and told me to leave my screening of LBJ. I mean, I had to go say hello. I turned and headed in their direction. As I got closer to the manager, he looked at me with a very puzzled, I know you look. I said, excuse me, I'm so sorry to interrupt the conversation. I just wanted to say thank you again for that readmission ticket. I just saw the Florida Project. It was magnificent. I gave a big smile to Popcorn Lady, turned around, and headed for the exit. My name is Dana Buckler, and thank you so much for listening. The How Is This Movie podcast is produced by Dana Buckler for Hidden Productions located in Ocala, Florida. Please follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at How Is This Movie. Like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash How Is This Movie. Of course, you can always email the show with questions or comments at hitmpodcast at gmail.com. And finally, to become a monthly supporter of this podcast and gain instant access to bonus episodes not available anywhere else, go to patreon.com slash How Is This Movie. You'll find all the links to our social media in this episode's show notes.